0: This is what happens when two old friends get in the booth together and they just start <laughs> chatting. It happens. <laughs> the booth being my bedroom in London. <laughs> it's, it's okay. A booth. A bo- isn't a booth more of a state of mind, though? No.
1: What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films to keep my friends happy and to hopefully provide a new perspective on some popular films. I'm on a quest to change that. This week, I am joined by one of the few people in the world where I can tell you the exact date that I have met him. TJ. TJ, how's it going?
0: Doing good. Thanks for having me on.
1: Of course, of course. I'm glad that we were finally able to make this happen. Lots Same. of scheduling problems.
0: You know, we're here now, and let's get this show on the road. Definitely.
1: So, before we get started continuing to talk about The Shawshank Redemption, what is your background on the film? When did you first see it, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. You were the one that suggested this film too. So,
0: I first saw this film in, I want to say, I think it was... November October November 2012. It was my second year of high school and I was I was taking a class called Music in the Movies. It was an art elective class, second year of high school. And the whole the whole premise of the class was talking about, you know, how music sort of amplifies movies, the different types of music throughout the history of film and how music conveys themes and arcs within you know how it, how it applies to characters and situations and and the like, you know stuff like that. And one of the films that we ended up watching was Shawshank Redemption. The music in that film is second to none, absolutely incredible. It it makes so many of the scenes so much more powerful. It amplifies the character development, but the film itself be even beyond the music. The film itself was one of the best films I'd ever seen. I thought the acting was stellar, the story, the character arcs, the development. I, it's, I think it's one of the best films ever made. And Ankit told me that he'd never seen it before. And so I said, well, if we're getting started on this new podcast, man, then I think one of the films that for for an actor such as you to, to definitely review would should be Shawshank Redemption. So yeah, here we are.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much how we got to it. But it's... Been amazing. I've you know watched the film now, and oh, I was very wrong, very, very wrong. So, just an update for anyone that wasn't listening or forgot in the last week my prediction currently of what is going to happen in the film is that redemption is now actually going to mean it's redemption for Red. I don't think good things are happening for Andy. Things I just get the feeling that good things aren't going to happen to Andy. And I also think that redemption means learning how to survive in prison. And then at the end, Red is going to get parole, go out into the world, and I guess break away from the idea of institutionalized. And so that's what I think is happening. But let's jump right into the film. And so we ended on a very sad note. Brooks is now dead. He has just killed himself. But We move on and things seem to get a little better. We see a bunch of books and Hadley isn't very happy. And turns out that what happened was that the state ended up sending Andy $200 and a huge donation of books. And they now said that they considered the matter closed and asked him to stop sending letters. And Andy jokingly said that, you know what? Now I'm going to write two letters instead of one every week. And it only took six years, but he did finally get $200 $200 and,
0: you know, new books. So good good for him. No, definitely. And I think that at that point in time, you know, being in prison for... At that point, he'd been in prison for what? Was it six years at that point? Or was it a little bit longer than that? No, he'd been in prison, I think, at this point for about... 10 years?
1: Yeah, or... it's somewhere between like 10 and 15 years, I think. No. Because by this point... Or it's close to 10 years. No, it is 10 years because yeah. he got the... New poster for right. his ten year right of course anniversary yeah, Rockwell, of from course. Red
0: Rock Hell of course yeah so yeah at that point I think it goes to show at that point how important I think having a project in prison behind bars can be you know this was I mean granted this was eighty years ago in t- in the timeline it's definitely a lot more a lot of the a lot of the uh, amenities that I think certain prisons might have for inmates now certain projects certain. You no know, vocations that help prisoners stay sane while behind bars. A lot of those just weren't weren't considered a priority at that point. So to have a project while while you're behind bars while you're incarcerated is a significant part of being able to stay sane and feel like you're still contributing and to to both yourself to the state of the prison and to society in general. I mean, you know, prison is prison. I mean, I I don't know nothing about that and hopefully never will, but for people behind bars to be able to do that, I think is an important thing for their own mental health and well-being. And so to be able to do that and to carry on a legacy of Brooks, which who was one of Andy's, you know, dearest friends while behind bars, I think, I think you could call that the beginning of the, of redemption. You know, that point is where redemption, I think, starts to begin to appear in the film, but we'll have to carry on to see where else it does.
1: Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. It, gives them something to do and like red said prison is a routine and this i guess kind of breaks the routine and it's something new and it's something different to keep their minds busy everyone always has different projects that they're working on i mean i always have different projects that i'm working on so i get it it's a way to just keep busy and keep up to what you want to do and it's a way to stay sane like if you're doing the exact same thing any Slight difference is going to be lovely. Mm. So Andy's going through all these books. He has some records. And it made me remember that I used to have a Mary Poppins original cast recording record. Did you really? I did. And then my flatmate, well, not flatmate, my roommate from uni accidentally took it home with his records when we were all like moving out at the end of the year and I never got it back. So John, if
0: you're listening to this, I want my record back. Give it back, John. Come on now. Don't 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 do that. That's a that's a that's a national treasure right there.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so the officer is, you know, just like, "Hey, get rid of all of this." And he goes off to read the toilet. He starts reading Jughead in the toilet and I just thought it was funny that he was reading Jughead. I've never read Jughead. Have you? Uh, No, I've not read Jughead. I mean, maybe maybe I should know, though, honestly. Sure. I don't know anything about the Jughead comic. I think that there's a Riverdale character named Jughead.
0: I've actually never seen Riverdale. So I haven't either, but I've seen something new about me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: fair enough. I mean, I've never seen Riverdale, but I have seen the little like clips that show up every now and again. And I think Cole Sprouse's character in Riverdale is called Jughead, but I have no idea. But that's the only other place that I've heard Jughead. Uh, something to explore in another episode. Perhaps. Sure. I don't know. I have heard
0: a lot of things about Riverdale. Some very good and some not so good. Things you want to get into or things, uh, the, things that are better left unsaid on, on, the, on the record. Moving on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy grabs some keys and he locks the door to the bathroom, locking the garden there. Classic and top man for that great well done and he also locks the door to the room so you know nobody can get in he then goes over he turns on the loudspeakers so that everyone in the prison can hear this music that he's playing and everyone just stops what they are doing and including all the guards and everyone just stops and listens to the music and i don't think that i mentioned what it was but he's playing mozart's
0: Duettino uh, from The Marriage of Figaro. Yes. One of one of Mozart's best operas. It's sort of a uh, continuation in a lot of ways. Barbara of Seville, right? Figaro was a character in Barbara of Seville, was he not? I believe he is. He was, yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I've never seen Barbara of Seville, but it's definitely a, uh, I think the Mozart being the genius that he was, being able to take another opera and carry it on in his own way, in a sense, since Mozart was one of the most, was probably the quintessential musician and composer of the classical period, having a an opera that expands upon a previous, you know, a previously celebrated piece like *Barber Seville*. But it's it definitely it's the arias in there definitely add a better scene of hopefulness, and that's why I think when I tie it back to the notion of that's the beginning of redemption because you know bring a light into the all consuming darkness that is Shawshank definitely gives him, Andy, hope, gives Red hope, gives all the prisoners hope for the future.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can see the happiness because, you know, we hear the guard banging on the bathroom door trying to get out. Andy's just chilling in his chair. He's happy. And then, you know, Red's voiceover comes in and just says that, like, you know, to this day, he still doesn't know what the song said, nor does he ever want to know. He just likes to imagine that it was something beautiful. It can't be translated into words. But the voices soared higher and farther than anyone in a gray place dares to dream. Like a bird flapped into a cage and then it dissolves all of the walls. And everyone in Shawshank just felt free for the briefest moment. And like you said, that's a beautiful moment of like, you know, now thinking about it in retrospect. That, yeah, this is kind of where we see hope. The idea of hope and people start talking about hope for the first time, and no one's really spoken about hope up until this point of the film, and I think it's very nice that we see how hopeless things can get with Brooks and his death, and now we're in the second stage of the film where it's like, great, now we can talk about hope. We've set the scene of how dark everything is going to be,
0: and I, and I think if I if I if I may interject for just a moment, one thing that. I liked about that scene is that you never hear the word hope you never it's not spoken but you feel it for the first time it shows it in a really profound way you feel it you see it like what what red said about you know people in a great place finally daring to dream again and but you never hear hope but you instinctively know that's what hope is that's what it feels like and it really really emphasizes what this film is all about in just I think the most visceral sense you see the lowest of lows when Brooks Brooks one of the one of the rays of light in the first half of the film decides to to end it and granted going out on his own terms speaks something to his character but also you really you feel hope in prison for the first time the hope that was brooks and the light that was brooks finally being replaced by something more powerful and more more inspiring that everybody feels not just the people who actually knew brooks
1: yeah definitely i have nothing better to add to that so we'll just move on but so the warden's obviously pissed he comes in they break down the door and andy ends up getting 2 weeks in the hole for this stunt So two weeks later, we're in the cafeteria. Haywood jokes to Andy saying, why couldn't you play something good like Hank Williams? And Andy just retorts with the beautiful line. They broke down the door before I could take requests. (laughs) So Andy also says that it was the easiest two weeks he ever did. And one of the other prisoners, I think it was Haywood. I'm not completely sure. I don't remember. Says no such thing as an easy two weeks. Now, look, I know it's not the same. But they told us COVID was going to be two weeks, and that uh, shit wasn't easy.
0: You know what? Um, dude, get into that. that could be, we could talk for the entire podcast about that. Oh my god. And now we move on. <laughs> yes, please.
1: <laughs> Everyone's now sad.
0: It's okay, but hey, now we can go outside. It's a beautiful sunny day outside. Yes, it is a beautiful sunny day here in our fair city of London, and here we are sitting inside recording a podcast. Yep, that sounds about right. What a, what better thing to do on a sunny day in April?
1: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so Andy says that Mozart kept him company, that music was in his head, in his heart, and that the beauty of music is that no one can ever take it away from you. And I totally agree with that, you know, as a musician as well, and someone who is constantly like music's always stuck in my head and there's it's always there in some way, shape or form. Sometimes I pay attention to it and sometimes I don't, but I feel like it's almost always playing something in the back of my head of I can hear something. And so I I totally get that. And everyone's just silent. And Andy asks if they've ever felt that way about music.
0: And I, and one thing that I think I would tie back into a little bit, it kind of ties back to when I first saw the movie, back in that, you know, music in the movies class way back in, in 20, 2012. And that line i think kind of encapsulated what the entire point of the class was about you know yeah music exists in movies but music music is art music also amplifies art and music amplifies all emotion and i think music in that sense finally goes toward it shows hope and if in like what i mentioned earlier you know you feel hope but that's the first i think honest line by a character in the film not including red's uh red's narration over the storyline where you see, yeah, you know, you can't take music away. Music's in your heart. Music is yours and yours alone. It's a precious thing. And to keep music in your heart is a way to, you know, keep some form of light and some form of hope, Even, even two weeks in the darkest of darkest holes in the black hole that is Shawshank.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, music is, I think, the one language that anyone can understand to some way, shape, or form. You don't have to... You might not be able to communicate in any other way, but music somehow has a way of always tying people together from different cultures. So, you know, I absolutely
0: love it, obviously. I don't know. I still never understand the point of K-pop or country music, but, you know, that's just me. (laughs) You don't have to understand it to appreciate it. Fair enough. So
1: Red then tells everyone he used to play a mean harmonica, but he lost interest because it doesn't make a lot of sense in here. And When he said harmonica, I just remembered Carpool Karaoke with James Corden and Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder is just like, no, no, James, you stay away from the harmonica. It's a dangerous, dangerous instrument.
0: Stevie Wonder is an absolute icon, a treasure of America, a treasure of music. And uh, he he, he is too good for the likes of James Corden. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I and mean, tell me I'm wrong. You know, James James Corden has had a lot of carpool karaoke's, but some 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 people are just are just too, too good for that. Don't don't need to have their music and their art put down to that level to deal with James Corden. Stevie Wonder is he's 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 a national treasure. James Stevie Corden, Wonder is wonder wonderful. Yes. The
1: first time I heard of Stevie Wonder, I was, it was the episode of the Cosby Show, oh way yeah. back in the day where I think it's like, the kids get in a car wreck. And Stevie Wonder is the one who was, like, the other person in the wreck. It was, like, his car. And then he shows up, and then they start joking, and Stevie's like,
0: yeah, I was driving. (laughs) I was like, I like this guy. (laughs) You know what? Only he could pull that off and actually make it work. He was so, just like, you know what? I was driving
1: and no one questioned it. Everyone was like, yeah, 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 of course. No, of course, yeah. How do you even begin to question that? Absolutely not. Look, of course, Stevie Wonder can drive. I don't understand why people are saying that he cannot. He is amazing. Yeah, he's Stevie Wonder. He can do anything he wants to do. His absolutely. name is Wonder. He yes, is a wonder.
0: He is, absolutely. Anyway. Anyway. It's a shame they didn't play Stevie Wonder in this film. That's all I'm saying. It would have felt out of place, but honestly, I would have been okay with it. Yep. You know what? Not not everything has to make sense. It just needs to Because, you know, be. <laughs> Stevie
1: was kind of, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, not born when technically most of the events
0: in this film are taking place. Probably not. But you know what? Neither was Hank Williams. When was Hank Williams born? That's a good question, but probably not in the 40s. Hold up. Time for Google. Are we actually doing this? I mean, it's my podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> Hank
1: Williams.
0: There's no way he was born before before. Uh, you are
1: very wrong. This man was born September 17th, 1923, and he was dead by January 1st, 1953. Well, learned something new today, I guess. There we go. So you know he
0: lived to 29, but put out some good music while he was alive. And his son was on Monday Night Football until he said something racist about Obama, and then he wasn't on Monday Night Football. Which one's his son? Hank Williams Jr. Uh, okay.
1: George, why not the things you learn while listening to post-finale that have absolutely nothing
0: to do about films? This is what happens when two old friends get in the booth together and they just start <laughs> chatting. It happens. <laughs> the booth being my bedroom in London, it's it's okay. A booth, a bo- isn't a booth more of a state of mind though? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, probably not. But it's okay. Right. Anyway, so Andy says that music
1: is important here the most and it's to make sure that you don't forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone there's something inside that they can't get or touch something that's yours and red's like what are you talking about and this is where we first hear the word andy says hope red tells andy that hope is a dangerous thing and that hope can drive a man insane and there's no use for hope on the inside and that andy just better get used to that and andy claps back with, like, Brooks did. Red gets pissed and leaves. Understandably so. I mean, Red's been here for very long, but also I do appreciate Andy telling the others, like, hey, this is a legitimate thing. Like, you can't lose hope. Hope isn't a bad thing. And that kind of message,
0: I remember it from... You've seen Ted Lasso, right? I've seen the first series of Ted Lasso. I never... But like I'm, at, too, I'm too cheap to pay for Apple TV Plus. Right? Just, just, I, mean. I am too, but I still watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm
1: broke. <laughs> but there's you've seen this first series, which means that you know the phrase at the end of the first series, for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about and doesn't want a spoiler, skip like two minutes and you should be good.
0: If you haven't seen the first series of Ted Lasso, that was kind of on you, though, isn't it? It's no, been for years no, now.
1: because it's Apple and I get it. Like, it's expansive. Fine, That's That's there's so many streaming platforms, we get it, but like jump about two minutes forward from this moment right here yeah, okay. and you'll be okay. Anyway, there's a phrase in there, the hope that kills you. And that was the first place that I had heard this kind of thought and notion that it's the hope that kills you, which is kind of the same notion that Red is having here. And I just thought it was an interesting, I don't know if it was intentional or anything from those writers in that room for Lasso compared, like, you know, maybe they pulled from this film and I have no idea, but it was just an interesting connection
0: that I saw. Hope is a beautiful thing. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you it's a beautiful thing to have and you keep it in your heart but at the same time you're still hoping for something to happen and if that thing never happens and you just keep hoping for something that never comes then you know at a certain point where where do where where do you draw the line between hope and reality? Yeah. I think I think that's one thing that this movie does analyze and explore in a kind of a real world sense in one of the most visceral senses that I would say any movie does. Fair enough. So,
1: it was a powerful scene by both actors. I think Andy what I think is happening is that Andy is going to start showing people how hope isn't a bad thing and he starts by introducing music back in people's lives. I feel like it might be gospel music so that it doesn't piss off the Warden over here, but I also don't like the Warden, so I
0: really don't care. Hey, the the Warden claims to be a Christian, but he is the he's the a worst very kind of very Christian. messed up man and we will learn soon, we will. I mean, it it is a Good Friday today for anybody who doesn't know and I mean I I, I do practice the faith. I am I am episcopal. But is to see and it always makes me I think angry to see people take take the faith and make it something so perverted from what it's meant to be and nobody nobody does it worse than the warden in this film and it just makes me pissed off in a personal in a very personal level.
1: Fair enough. Let's let's keep going so we find
0: out why he's pissed. Yes.
1: So Red, we're back in our parole hearing with our, you know, five old white men in the parole hearing room. Mm -hmm. He's now 30 years of a life sentence. Red says that he doesn't believe that he's a danger to society anymore and it's rejected. There we go. Woo. So 30 years and he wonders where it went. Andy wonders where 10 years went. So now we're at 10. So, you know, we were slightly off earlier, but that's fine. So he wonders where 10 years went. Andy gets Red a parole rejection present. Oh, so sweet. Honestly. Such good friends. He needs something to keep you going at that point. Yeah. And, and what does he get him? He gets him a harmonica. Fantastic. And it's wonderful. And Red does seem genuinely touched by this gesture. Even And Andy's like, I'm really sorry. I had to go with one of your competitors. I wanted it to be a surprise. And Red was like, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> like, in that In that context, what do you really do about that, though? Yeah, you can't really get mad at him. So... He gets him that, and then when Andy gets back to his cell, there's a new poster on his bed with a note, and it says, a new girl for your 10-year anniversary, Red. Is that Marilyn Monroe? No, it's uh, Raquel somebody. No, 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 but this is the girl in the white dress, and she, like, flaps it around. I thought that was a famous Marilyn Monroe pick- Oh, it is, yeah. No, I thought, wait. Cool, is- we haven't gotten to Raquel yet. Raquel's the next girl. Oh, right, yeah. So, Andy is staring at the girl. Red stares at his
0: harmonica, and I was like, he's gonna play! and. He played a note. He played a note. Beginning of the redemption. Well, not the beginning of the redemption. The continuation you see the redemption begin to expand itself beyond just a one-off situation of Andy playing music over the speaker. Yeah,
1: like I have in my notes, I have written down the start of hope creeping back in. Yes,
0: exactly. That's, I was. It's starting
1: to creep back into people's lives. Exactly what
0: I was thinking. Well done.
1: So Andy was as good as his word, apparently. I thought he was joking, but uh, no. He wrote two letters a week instead of one. And in 1959, the state Senate learned that they couldn't just write him off with the $200 check. And so they agreed to an annual budget of $500
0: just to shut him up. What an absolute legend. We we love <laughs> that energy. That is the energy we need in our lives. Persistence. And you know what? It helps
1: when you have nothing but time. But, you know, he was put in a bad situation. But You know what? But he made the best of the He made the best of the bad situation.
0: I think that's... One thing that wait, probably the perfect tribute you could do for Brooks at that point was to build a library and dedicate it to him.
1: Exactly. And so Andy, we learned, stretched this money as far as he could. He made deals with book clubs, charity groups, and he bought books like by the pound.
0: And so I was like, so he bought one big book. I was going to make a joke <laughs> about pound sterling because we're in England, but that's probably better. <laughs>
1: Neither are good jokes. No, but that's fair not good.
0: enough. But we're we're t- we're two we're two fresh graduates making a podcast on a Friday in in in, in a bedroom. So we're doing all right. Short. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's helping out. They're all cataloging the books.
1: And Haywood grabs Treasure Island. Fiction adventure is how they classify it. I classified it as fiction adventure. Also, great and very underrated
0: film. Which which one are you talking about? The Was Disney it- one. Muppets Treasure Island? No, that no, one? no. The animated one. Oh, that one, right. Oh my days. I haven't seen that. I would you believe me if I told you I have not seen that one. Wait, yet. so I've seen something that you haven't seen? Looks that way. Woohoo! Okay, new uh, new new podcast idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a lot of animated films. I don't necessarily
1: always watch Like I love animation. And so chances are if it's an animated film, the likelihood that I
0: have seen it is slightly higher. Fair enough. But at the same time, I will say a Muppets Treasure Island undefeated childhood classic. Absolutely untouchable.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any of the Muppets. I've seen like one, but I don't remember anything of it. I watched
0: Veggie Tales. I think, Treasure Island. Veggie Tales did a Treasure Island? I don't I know. know I VeggieTales know. did a lot of things. That's true. I know I know they did one. I know they did one about, uh, what was it? the 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 Jonah story with the whale where uh, the asparagus uh, Archibald Archibald asparagus that's the guy he gets he that's <laughs> that's the one he gets swallowed by a by a whale as Jonah and then he goes to Nineveh but he finds Larry and the other two pirates there because the forever crisp brand was apparently made by the king of Nineveh but then because they go to Nineveh and the Ninevites were um were dickheads they get tied to Poles in the ground and they get pelted with with crisps
1: the things you learn on good friday yeah so veg,
0: veggie, veggie tales is <laughs> amazing and it makes no sense but there you go
1: there you go red has auto repair and soap carving which get labeled into trade skills and hobbies slash educational
0: don't do soap carving if you haven't tried it it is legitimately fun i mean so i'm surprised they they had one on soap carving instead of rock carving since that was such one of andy's Passions during the film, I figured that they would have had a little callback to that. But I mean, soap carving is close enough, I guess. It's carving. Yeah, close enough.
1: Haywood gets The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas, or as he likes to say, dumbass. And Andy looks offended and goes, Dumas. So Andy tells him, you know, place it in fiction, but you'll like the book. It's about a prison break. And Red goes, Well, that's got to be filed under educational too, don't it? (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know what? That's the energy we need. I agree, Red. I agree. Another great line. Here we go. We're in for it. Morgan Freeman, you are a living legend.
1: He really is. So, Red's voiceover again, and we learned that everyone has pitched in where they could, And by the year that Kennedy was shot, so 1963 history
0: person? Yes. Sweet!
1: 1963! For anyone that doesn't know when Kennedy was shot. November 1963. There you go. In Dallas, Texas. I do know that one. Mm -hmm. So Andy had transformed a small storage room that smelled of rat turds and turpentine into the Brooks-Hatland Memorial Library. Wonderful way to just honor Brooks' legacy. And it's the best New England prison library, complete with the best selection of Hank Williams. So, Haywood got his wish. Also, this is the same year that the warden has introduced his n- famous Inside Out program, which made the news, got his picture in the local magazine. So, the warden's out and he's given this speech. And what he says is No free ride, but rather a genuine, progressive advance in corrections and rehabilitation. The inmates, properly supervised, will be put to work outside the walls, performing all manner of public service. These men can learn the value of an honest day's labor while providing a valuable service to the community and at a bare minimum of expense to Mister and Missus John Q. Taxpayer. Cool, sounds good. My question: Who in their right mind is naming their son John Q. Taxpayer? You know
0: what? This is this is nineteen nineteen sixties America. It's it's just it's I just me.
1: feel bad for that kid. Yeah,
0: you know what he. I I am not. I am very against bullying, but that's 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 the kind of thing that would get you bullied, unfortunately. Especially in 1960s America. Oh gosh. Anyway,
1: so what the warden failed to mention to the press was that the bare minimum expense is a loose term. A hundred different ways to skim off the top. I didn't know this, but you can do that. And money started rolling in. So we're now in a field, and the prisoners are all chopping wood. We meet a guy named Ned. Ned seems nice. He's just a lovely person. And Ned's upset at the pool of slave labor, as he calls it, that the warden now has and can underbid anyone in town. And the warden tells Ned it's community service. And Ned's like, fine, that's good for the papers. But like, I have a family to feed. Ned explains to the warden that if he doesn't get the new highway contract, he's going to go under. So Ned offers him a pie from his missus. And we see there is a pie. But there's also an envelope as cash as a bribe.
0: This corruption all day long. Though. Corruption all
1: day long. Lovely. And that's, you know, like, I didn't blink
0: an eye at the corruption. I wanted to know what flavor the pie was. At that point, I'm I'm going to guess rhubarb. A good rhubarb pie never goes never goes a uh, no sure. problem. Sure,
1: let's find out if we figure out what type of pie this is. Because so. the bribe, yeah, that that's given. Like the warden's into shady stuff, like yeah. yeah prison, fine. prison industrial complex, corruption, yeah, politics, so and so. That all makes sense. I, I didn't blink an eye at that. So the warden says, Don't worry, I've got my boys committed to elsewhere and you know, thank Maisie for the pie. Sweet! What flavor? Rhubarb. I'm I'm definitely saying rhubarb. I'm still confused. But We learn behind every shady deal, every dollar that's earned, Andy was there keeping the books. And we see Andy and the warden. Andy has two deposits for the warden to Maine National, New England first. Night drops is always because shadiness. Mm -hmm. And behind his wife's cross stitch, the warden has a safe into which Andy puts a ledger. Andy doesn't look very happy when he's placing the book there, and I guess he knows that it's a bunch of shadiness, but he also can't do anything because he's a prisoner. But I feel like this is going to come back into play later somehow in some way, shape or form. I don't know how,
0: but I feel like it's going to come back. Just at that point, I would say, just have a, just remember what the cross stitch says. His judgment cometh and that right soon. Just remember that line for later. Okay, we'll leave it at that. So the warden tells
1: Andy, take my stuff down to laundry, and that he's heading to a charity event up in Portland. And I was like, it's Maine, not Oregon, even though Oregon's the better one. I don't know. I've never been to Portland, Maine, but I've lived in Portland, Oregon. So Oregon's the better one. So (laughs) nothing against people from Portland, Maine. I'm sure it's nice. I just know nothing about it.
0: Shameless plug for UP. I understand. I did go there. I spent four years of my life. Four years, three and a half, and then COVID hit. But we don't talk about COVID. Uh, d- 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 d-
1: we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> so he then offers Andy the rest of the pie and goes, "The woman can't bake for shit." Great. What type of
0: pie? It looks like an apple pie, but I need confirmation. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm still saying rhubarb, because one, I don't particularly like rhubarb pie. So if it's if she can't bake for shit, then it's probably a rhubarb pie. I'm gonna be honest.
1: I've heard of a rhubarb pie. I've never had a
0: rhubarb pie. I had a rhubarb pie one time. I did not care for it. And if she can't bake for shit, I'm going to assume it's the kind of pie that I do not care for. You know, what? I eat rhubarb.
1: Why not? I like apple pie, and I don't like the idea of apple pie tasting like shit. So
0: it's a rhubarb pie. It is a rhubarb pie. Apple pies are fantastic. Rhubarb pie is less fantastic. So rhubarb pie.
1: There we go. It's a rhubarb pie. So, Red says that he hears that the warden has his fingers in a lot of pies. And
0: I was just like... Probably why they taste terrible.
1: Exactly. That's why, obviously, there it is. But Andy informs him that what they hear isn't the half of it. The pool of dirty money running through the prison. And I'm like, oh, that's how they have nicer things. But then I also realized, why would the warden spend money on the prisoners? No, the reason that they have nice things is Andy wrote two letters instead of one. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah,
0: no, Warden Warden just overall scumbag. Yeah, um, exactly. Did get, get Nothing good comes from him. Totally.
1: So Red says that eventually they'll have to explain where all the money came from. And Andy then reveals he channels it, he filters it, funnels it, everything, blah blah blah. And he sends the money out into the real world when it comes back. So it's cleaner than a virgin's honey pot. I'm just we're just gonna leave that, let that sit. Move on. Imagery. 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 Beautiful. Well done, writers. So, by the time the warden retires, Andy will have made him a millionaire. I really, really want them to use this information and flip it on the warden and make the warden have to go to prison. That's what I really want. I don't know what's going to happen. So, Red says that if anyone catches on, the warden might still end up in here himself. And he knows Andy's good, but all of that money is going to leave a trail. And what if someone comes looking for it? And he says, sure, but it's not going to lead back to me or the warden. And then that it all traces back to Randall Stevens. He's the silent partner and the guilty one. He's the man with the bank accounts. And that's where the filtering process starts. So if anyone traces anything, it'll all go back to him. And he's a phantom and a menace and a second
0: cousin to Harvey the rabbit. I have no idea if that's supposed to be a reference to something. It was probably. I wouldn't know. Cool. If anyone listening knows, fan- who... Phantom and a Menace was that a reference to something else as well, or was that just a Phantom Menace Star Wars? Yeah, I was sure going for something there. I mean,
1: it's possible because it was written in the '90s, but also I don't think
0: that they meant it because this is happening in the '60s. No, I was talking about what you just said. You said he's a Phantom and a Menace. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you're a poet. You don't even know it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but.
1: This Randall guy, he exists on paper. He has birth certificate, social security, everything that's needed. And Red's just fascinated. He's like, you're a Rembrandt. Love it. So it's another amazing scene. The dialogue just carries it. And all that they're doing is stacking books on either side of a shelf and just talking. And, you know, Red is truly listening to Andy. So you can see the joy when he starts explaining how everything works. And he's proud of Andy and just amazing work by both actors. I
0: You know Tim Tim Robbins, the the scenes with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman on screen together. And it's just the two of them. Those two two incredible actors. Either one of them could carry a scene on their own. The two of them together on screen where they're just talking, I I think are some of the best scenes in the film just because, I mean, yeah, they're the two leads, but they also have the most depth of character and the deepest connection of what the themes of the movie genuinely are. So the two of them together on screen, I think those are just the best scenes in the film. Say what say what you will about Clancy Brown as as Hadley. Say what you will about the Warden. Say what you will about Haywood. Say what you will about any of the other characters. Andy and Red, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman on the screen together. Those are the best scenes in the film, easily.
1: Definitely, I agree. And so outside our next scene... Brad asks Andy, hey, do you ever feel bad about any of this stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Andy says, not really. You know, he isn't running the scams. He's just keeping the books. And the wardens let him build a library. And he's helped 12 different guys get high school diplomas. And that, you know, he works cheap and that's the payoff. And then the siren goes off. We're getting some new prisoners. All right. Let's find fish. out who. Let's go. Fresh fish. So we learn that Tommy Williams, he is a man with a jet black hair and massive sideburns. He's wearing a white t-shirt and a leather jacket. He kind of looks like he's from the movie Grease. Yep. Mm-hmm. 1960s uh, Italian
0: gentleman. Let's go.
1: Yeah, that's about it. I haven't seen Grease. I know the music from it, but yeah. I mean, John
0: Travolta, Scientology. You know. Beautiful. Why not?
1: So he came to Shawshank in 1965 on a two-year stretch for B&E, breaking and entering. The Cops caught him sneaking a TV set out of the back of a JCPenney. That stores back when JCPenney existed. <laughs> Lovely store. We're going to miss it. He's a young punk, Mr. Rock and Roll, and cocky as hell. Everyone liked him. Yeah, how, I how, did too.
0: How could you not? How could you not? He got was it.
1: wonderful. Like, he, he showed up on screen and I was like, I like this guy. Yes. So Tommy's in the cafeteria. He's explaining how he got caught. And he had a TV in his hands and he couldn't see anything. And he just hears a voice. Freeze, kid. Hands in the air. Tommy stops. He doesn't move. Cop. Didn't you hear what I said? Tommy. Yes, sir, I did. But if I dropped this thing, you got me on destruction of property, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Baris. Well, true. I like this guy. So, Tommy, we learn, has been in and out of prison since he was 13, all over New England. And if you name a place, he's probably been there. He gives me vibes of, like, Ponyboy and his friends in The Outsiders. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you know the what? book is called The Outsiders. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Also Stephen King, right? I think so. I don't know. I don't remember who it's written by, but great book. I remember it's one of the few books that I actually read during required readings.
0: I read them all. I just didn't think retain much yeah. information from them. Like I, when I when I read, I read for pleasure. The Re- required reading books. I think. I think only one of the books I had to read for required reading I actually genuinely enjoyed.
1: I think this was the only book that I actually genuinely enjoyed that I read for required readings. Yeah,
0: that sounds about right.
1: So, Andy is sitting at the table and he's like, "Hey, Tommy." Maybe you should try a new profession, cause you're obviously not a very good thief. And I was like, fair enough. But what do you want him to be? What do you want Tommy to be?
0: I don't know. He's Mister Rock and Roll. Maybe just you know.
1: I thought he could potentially be a fantastic baker.
0: Yeah, I could imagine that. You know, a little cannoli here and there, a couple yeah. of buns. Not bad. Send 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 him down to a New York festival, of San Gennaro. Yeah, He'll make a he'll make he'll make a good good bit of money there. Definitely. So. Andy is
1: then asked by Tommy what are you in for and Andy's just like the lawyer fucked me everyone in here is innocent don't you know that Haywood is so proud he looks like an older brother he's like oh it's the same line I used back when you asked me Haywood
0: is you know, a gem what? he is he he is the he is the I think the most underrated character in this film but he has the most he he, he has the most presence on screen whenever he's there he just you- really does he he just makes you smile no matter what oh yeah haywood's always a good time i
1: i always enjoy seeing haywood's character on the screen so also just wanted to point out in this scene especially i noticed it but very well done to the makeup team on this film because we pass through so many years of time as the story continues along and you can see that the characters are aging but also at the same time it isn't overdone it's very believable. It's very subtle. And every scene you can see that, you know, they are aging a little bit, especially when we're jumping years at a time, but it never feels excessive. So I just wanted to say very well done.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, to the makeup team. Because obviously a lot of work had to go into that. The only time it's really, truly noticeable are when you see, when every time Red goes in for a parole hearing, you know, the fir- first scene in the film, he goes in and he's, you know, young, young guy, 10, 10 years into his life sentence still young, still,
1: uh... yeah, it's like you get the 10, you get the 20, you get the 30. So like, it's a bit more noticeable, I think then, but also it's helpful because it's like, this is the point, it's been 10 years. And yeah, people change a lot in 10 years. But all these in-between scenes, it's a very nice continuation of the story and I never feel taken out of it. But it was just something very subtle that I kind of just noticed a bit more in this scene. And I just wanted to say, well done to them. Mm -hmm, Absolutely So Red informs us Tommy has a new wife A new baby girl And he's not sure What it was exactly But something lit a fire Under his ass So Tommy approaches Andy To help him get his High school efficiency Andy says he doesn't help losers Tommy insists that he doesn't But that you know He really wants to try He just doesn't read too good Andy's like well And Tommy just looks confused (laughs) And I just laughed And Andy's like We'll get to that Mm -hmm. You don't read well Not good. Tommy's just confused. We'll get to that. I loved it. So, red on his voiceover again. So, Andy takes Tommy under his wing and starts helping him with his ABCs. And Tommy found brains that he never really knew that he had. Before long, he started doing all the course requirements. And Andy really liked Tommy. It gave him a thrill to help the youngster crawl from a shit heap, as they put it in the film. But It's not the only reason. And Red explains, again, what we've been talking about of a routine and how much time and things like that. So prison is a slow time. So you do what you can to keep on going. Andy built a library. And now Tommy was his new project. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason he polished and carved all those rocks, why he hung fantasy girl posters on the wall. In prison, a man will do almost anything to keep his mind occupied. By 1966, when Tommy was about to take his exams, The girl on the wall was lovely Raquel. This is where we get Raquel. And so we see Tommy taking his exams. Time runs out. And Andy, you know, just as a kind person is like, so Tommy had to go. Tommy says it's useless. The test might as well have been in Chinese. And Andy says, "Okay, well, don't worry about it. Let's just see how the score comes out. And Tommy yells, you want the score? And then he crumples up his test. Chucks it in the bin, and he yells, Goddamn cats crawling up trees. Five times five is 25. Fuck this place. Fuck it. And then storms off. Scores are probably fine.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: Kid passed. Yeah. Mm. Andy just gets up, picks up the test. He's like, all right, whatever. Like, this happened. Moving on. And later on, Tommy tells Red that he feels bad. He feels like he let Andy down. And Red's like, nah, it's okay. Like, he's proud of you. Explains how Andy ended up in prison. And Tommy just looks like he has seen a ghost. And I would, too, if I found out that my closest friend was convicted of murder.
0: Or. Or,
1: and we will learn that soon, because we're about to take a break. But real quick, before we take a break for intermission, did I miss something? Or when did the prisoners start getting cola to start drinking, like,
0: in their pastime when they're just at work? I don't know. Maybe maybe the warden did it. I mean, Andy was already able to negotiate beers off of Clancy Brown. So, you know, if you can do that, you can do anything. It's a good point. But I feel like I missed something. Because they were not allowed to have cola earlier. Eh, check it out to the film, you know. You,
1: you know, know what? You- There's so much dirty money. The prisoners do do labor. I'm going to say they, the one small perk is when you're working, you can have a cola. Sounds good to me. There we go. Well, we're gonna take a quick break for an intermission where you guys get to learn a bit more fun things about like patreon hopefully things like that and maybe a project that i'm working on might be out or soon to be announced we're gonna find out here we go Hello, everyone, and welcome to the intermission. So, as we mentioned, TJ and I were in the exact same room as we were recording this episode. Now, if you want to help us improve our audio even more for future episodes, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash postfinale. Any of the money that is made from the Patreon is going directly back into the show to help pay for better microphones, better audio recording equipment better softwares, and different things like that. Now, not only will you be supporting the show, but you will also get loads of bonus content, like access to my notes, access to monthly Q&As, and you also get access to bonus audio. And I did just re-figure how all the different tiers will work, so head on over to patreon.com slash postfinale if any of that seems of interest to you. And if... You cannot support the show in a monetary way. That is completely fine. Just thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you keep continuing to listening to future episodes. And the best way to make the show grow is just word of mouth. So go over, talk to one of your friends, message them, say, hey, there's this new podcast called Post Finale. I think you'll like it. The host tries to guess what's happening in movies, and most of the time, he ends up being kind of wrong. It's pretty silly. So... If any of that is a possibility, I appreciate all of you that have already spoken about us on social media, or will do so in the future, or word of mouth. And last thing, real quick here in the intermission, do be sure to follow us on social media, it's at PostFinalePod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go check it out, because I just posted a recent photo of TJ and I on a night out in London, I don't Know what exactly happened on that night out? The picture was taken sometime during the winter months, but it was—it's a cute picture, and you can kind of see what the two of us look like in day-to-day life, just out hanging about. And with all of that aside, let's get back to the episode and finding out what's next in our hero's journey in Shawshank. And we are back. So, why did Tommy look like he's seen a ghost? Tommy explains to Andy in red. About four years ago, he was at Thomston on a two to three year stretch because he stole a car. Something to do. Fine. About six months left, he gets a new cellmate. Elmo Blatch. Big twitchy fucker. Kind of roomy you pray you don't get. Six to twelve for armed burglary. He said he'd pulled hundreds of jobs, which is surprising for how high strung he always was. Talked all the time, places he'd been, jobs he'd pulled, women he'd fucked, people he'd killed, people who gave him shit, is how he would put it. So one night, Tommy jokingly asks, yeah, Elmo, who'd you kill? And we cut to Elmo himself in a cell. And Elmo says this, I got me a job this one time, bussing tables at a country club, so I could case all the big rich pricks that come in. So he picks a guy, goes in one night into his place. He wakes up and gives me shit. So I killed him. Him and this tasty bitch that he was with. And Elmo starts laughing. That's the best part. She's fucking this prick, see, this golf pro. But she's married to some other guy, some hotshot banker. And he's the one that they pinned it on.
0: Done, done,
1: done. I was right. Andy's innocent. Ha ha. Well and done. Highest, technically. Highest marks, sir. Thank you. Technically, I was right. Someone in prison helped him find the truth. I was just very wrong on who.
0: You know, you, you, uh,
1: the, the, how, you, how you get to the result isn't <laughs> as long as you get there. That's all. I got that right. And I was like, let's go. I was so proud of myself because I have gotten a lot of things wrong. You know what? To get one thing right, well done. <laughs> carry on. Let's, let's carry on though. Let's get to the interesting bit. Let's get to the interesting bit. Another amazing scene by just this time. Tommy and Elmo, you can hear the pain in Tommy's voice as he's telling the story. And when you cut to Elmo, you see calmness, and it slowly turns into hysteria and, like, a sinister feeling. Amazing work by both actors. And, you know, the guy who played
0: Elmo, this was his only scene in the whole film, killed it. Giggling, laughing about a crime that he killed. You know, you really see the the insanity in this guy's eyes. I'm not going to lie. It's very fun playing insane characters. Yes. And characters who
1: get to say things that as a human being and as Ankit, I know I shouldn't say. But then when I'm playing like, you know, Peter, it's okay to say. Anyway, Andy is obviously very disturbed by this. He brings it to the warden. The warden is fascinated by the tale and is surprised that Andy is taken by it. It says Tommy was just taken by Andy, wanted to cheer him up after hearing his sad story. Andy insists that Tommy is telling the truth. And that with Tommy's testimony, he could get a new trial. That there should at least be a chance. Not that, you know, it's going to happen, but he wants the chance. Warden sympathizes and just shakes his head. And I'm like, dude, come on, Warden. Like, you got to give him a chance. He's not saying that it's going to work, but give him the chance. Like, be a good person. I'm sorry, that was too much to ask
0: of the Warden. No, don't. I mean, the, the, the Warden is the filthiest, most dirty bastard in this entire prison. He would never ever let his bookmaker just walk out that's the timid way of putting it we find out mm. more so andy calls him obtuse uh now you've done
1: it yep and instantly the warden changes his tone before we get to the warden changes his
0: tone is obtuse an insult It it, it is an insult it um let's, let's see what obtuse means okay
1: because i thought it was just like you know the angles on a triangle oh yeah I mean, and an obtuse angle is like it's greater than 90 degrees i mean
0: yeah I've never heard of it used as an insult. Obtuse means annoyingly insensitive or slow to understand. Basically calling the guy a dumbass. Then why does it also include... Sure, that makes sense. I put together what it meant. But
1: why does it also then have the secondary meaning spelled the exact same way
0: to talk about angles? I don't know, bro. I didn't, I took, I took geometry one year. I was always more of an algebra guy myself. Best part, I think my mom teaches geometry. Well, ask ask your mom then,
1: <laughs> <Not simple else. laughs> So, anyway, the warden says that if Andy wants to worry about it, then it's his business. Don't make it the warden's issue. Andy says that if he gets out, he'd never say anything about what actually happens at Shawshank and that he would be in just as much trouble for laundering all the money. That's the last straw. Even I know that's the last mm-hmm. straw. Warden slams his fist on the table and says, don't you ever mention money to me. Again, you sorry son of a bitch. Not in this office, not anywhere.
0: Mm -mm. That was the wrong thing to say. Yep.
1: Guards come in. Warden sentences Andy to one month in solitary, which just sounds terrible, especially after everything Andy's just gone through. And as Andy's being dragged away, he's yelling, what is wrong with you? This is my chance to get out. This is my life.
0: You no, know, completely it, understandable where Andy's coming from as well, but dude, Andy, you kind of put this one on you. Remember what what, what, he, what the warden said in the first scene, your ass belongs to me. Andy's life belongs to the warden. The warden would never ever let him leave. Exactly. He knows too much. He would never ever let him just walk out. Of there. Andy's too valuable to the warden. Yeah, and he's too much of a liability as
1: well. Exactly. he He treads both waters. So, everyone's in the yard and Tommy feels bad you know, because of Andy getting a month in the hole and Red's like don't worry it wasn't your fault like you know you didn't pull the trigger and you know Red reveals that hey it does really look like Andy is legitimately innocent he's done 19 years for a crime he never committed and Tommy gets a letter from the board of education and I'm like he passed but before we officially find out the guys mess with the letter and you know Tommy doesn't want to open it Red finally gets a hold of it and Opens it up. And we learned from a kind guard who comes in to bring food to Andy that Tommy had passed with a C-plus average. That's
0: all it takes. Cs get degrees.
1: That's all that matters. That's that's the saying. Cs get degrees. And I think I graduated with a bit better than a C-plus average. But not a lot. I think a C-plus is like a 2.5. Close to it, yeah. Sure. I graduated with like a 3, so I guess I graduated yeah. with like a b average i had a three three b plus a minus average sure something like that. uh i i graduated one time with honors in my life and that was acting school <laughs> that's all that matters bro <laughs> you got you got there so got there, you're good. there we go i have a high school diploma a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and two of them uh, got the degree you got the degree. i learned i did learn just don't test well anyway so and Tommy gets called into a meeting with the warden and the meeting is outside in the back. I don't like this. It feels wrong. It feels something is going down and I do not like, I don't like the feeling. I couldn't place what was happening, but I was just like, something feels eerie. The music also underlaying just throughout the whole film is great. But in this moment, especially, I, I felt like it-, it wasn't giving me good vibes. Oh, we find out soon. Mm -hmm. So the warden tells Tommy to keep the conversation between them. He feels awkward enough and offers Tommy a cigarette. They explain that they got a situation. And the warden says, you know, the right thing to do is sometimes a hard thing to do. And the warden says he needs to know if what Tommy told Andy was the truth. And Tommy is sincere. And I'm just like, Tommy, lie. I like you, tommy lie don't
0: don't give don't give him a reason. don't, don't be
1: sincere, word. Tommy, like look, I'm not a genius, but this seems like a situation where you know that thing that you're really good at lying, yeah,
0: do that, yeah, Pat, there's only one way this ends, please exactly, please not I feel reason. like Tommy should have kind of seen where this was going, but you know, I guess
1: Tommy just wanted to help Andy, and he was like, yeah, like, it's it's legitimately the truth, and Warden asks if he'll swear this in front of a judge or a jury, and it, Tommy's like, yes, I will. You just got to give me a chance. And when the Warden dropped his cigarette and put it out, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. no, no. And then we see it. Hadley from the Watchtower shoots Tommy dead. And I have, in all caps... Are you fucking kidding me? I hate the warden so much. What the fuck?
0: Yep, that's the appropriate reaction. Absolute shambles, man. Absolute shambles. I mean, very, very in character for him.
1: The warden doing it, it makes complete sense. I get it. And it works for the story and amazing writing. And, you know, also very good writing because up until the cigarette dropped and he put it out, I didn't know which turn this was about to take, this scene.
0: But then you see the cigarette and you're like, this only ends one way.
1: You see the cigarette drop and that's the instant. And that's like, what, five seconds maybe in movie time before you hear bang, bang. But you know. But you know know the the moment that cigarette drops. But I think it's very well done again by the actors and by the director, the editors, everyone that you don't know a hundred percent. Which way is this conversation going to flip? You you know the way you think it goes, but then, you know... You're holding out hope. Yeah. You know, like we discussed at the beginning of the episode, you're holding out that hope that this isn't how it is actually going to be and that there is a chance that everything is going to be okay. You don't feel good about that, but you're holding out hope. And when you see the cigarette drop, you're just like, yeah, that's the way. That's the way. So, Tommy's dead. Things are not looking good for Andy. Not at all. So, the warden goes in and, you know, the warden goes to Andy. Tells him it's a terrible thing. Tommy tried to escape. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, God. What an absolute. Oh, God. How explicit are we allowed to be on this podcast? Is this a... I mean,
1: it does have the little e next to it. God, what
0: a fucking dickhead! Absolute <laughs> fucking prat. Hate his fucking head. Oh my god! Ah, oh, absolute, absolute filthy bastard, dirty yeah. bastard, man. Oh my goodness. You
1: have some ideas there, TJ, about this man?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, idea ideas and words I would like to say, but I'm still trying to keep it just a little bit. I, <laughs> uh, 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 let's 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 move on before I start before I start ranting, please. Okay, okay. So the
1: warden's telling Andy that Tommy's escaped, and Andy says, I'm done. I wanna stop, get someone else to run your scams. That was also the
0: wrong thing to say.
1: Yeah, Andy, you're not doing no, no, very man. well
0: on things to say. Like, yeah, I get it, man. You you've been in the hole for for a month, but you you're you're smart, man. You've got a mind. Please, for the love of God, use it because you're just not setting yourself up for for a good thing right now.
1: Exactly. In about the last 10 minutes of film time, we have not seen good decisions be made by any prisoner. Yeah. No. No, Anyone, is, but especially any prisoner.
0: <laughs> no, this and this is just not not in any way going the right way for our, for our dear friends in Shawshank. And this filthy bastard is just absolutely stepping all over everybody. Yeah, totally. And I want I want I want him to get his comeuppance so very badly.
1: I do, too. I don't know how this is going to end, though. And so the warden says nothing's going to stop or Andy will have the hardest time in here. And if Andy doesn't continue doing what the warden wants him to do, he's gonna pull him from his one bunk, Hilton, put him down with the sodomites. Did I miss another reference? Because I feel like I've heard
0: sodomites, and I feel I like mean, it's b- it, the biblical thing. Sodom. Well, it's it's a, a bit of a I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things about that reference that don't hold up well in 2020. So I'll I'll explain it later when we're off camera.
1: Okay, it sounds good. I've just heard of. Sodomites, I know it's something biblical, and that's all I really know. Leave it Leave it at that for now. Sure. The warden tells Andy, if you don't do what I want, you'll feel like you've been fucked by a train. And the library will be sealed off brick by brick. And they will have a book barbecue in the yard. Ugh. I hate the warden. God,
0: what an absolute...
1: Ugh! Oh, hate him. yeah, no, I hate the warden, but also... The imagery, like yeah, if you want to be evil, and this is where I was like, there is absolutely like I, I didn't mind the warden at first, and then I started like disliking him more and more, and this is the moment where you're like, oh yes, he's just pure evil incarnate. But it was also really interesting because I was like that imagery you you never see it, but you can just imagine what that is going to be like, and you say this to someone. That has a month in the hole already. And now. After this. The warden's just like give him another month in the hole. So now. You're leaving this person. In solitary confinement for two months. Not in a good place when you throw him in. Then you kill his friend. And like little brother kind of. Mm -hmm. His protege. And then you tell him. Nothing's gonna change. And I will ruin
0: everything. That you love in this prison. There's a YouTube series that I I enjoy called Analyzing Evil. I would be very curious if there was an episode about Edward Norton on that channel because this guy is oh man he is an evil bastard he is an evil bastard he is he is but yeah
1: and on that note of he's an evil bastard I think that's where we're gonna end this episode of post finale TJ is there anything else that you know we might have skipped over that you want to bring up talk
0: about well i mean you know they always say that you know in the traditional greek saga you've got three parts you've got the, the the first bit which is the introduction you've got the middle bit which is the darkest and the most difficult and for Brooks' death, so Tommy's death is the darkest part of the film. And we've gotten really deep into it on this on this episode. And I'm really I'm happy to, because, you know, in a sense, I enjoy the darker, grittier bits of film because it really makes you stop and think about what the themes are and what the motivations are. And then you just have evil bastards like the warden <laughs> who you just wanna punch in the teeth. But you know, in the in the third bit, you know something's gonna happen and the there will be a light that shines through brighter than before and you appreciate it more because of the the darker more gritty more d- difficult parts that we have just gone over in this episode today so again thank you for having me this has been a real privilege yeah and we should do this again soon of
1: course of course so you know like you said the next episode you are our guest again look we'll, forward to it i'm looking forward to it as well and so you know, we get to come to the conclusion of Shawshank. We get to find out what happens. We're in the third act of the film. We're heading that way. You know, the conclusion, what's going to happen. There's still a lot to happen. And it's very interesting. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next week. TJ, if anyone wants to find you on the internet doing stuff, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: my Instagram is tjwarner12, And... Yeah, and I have a, uh, yeah, you know, just doing my thing. Kind of just look, living my life in London as well. Just got my, master, my second master's degree about two months ago, so looking for a full-time job.
1: We love that. If anyone wants to hire TJ, contact them. Look forward to it. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening. TJ, thank you so much for joining. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rother. If you'd like to support the show and get access to some bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale, and any of the money that is made from the Patreon will go back into making this a better show. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at postfinalepod on all the different platforms. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch more movies, so check out this new podcast. Talk about us on social media, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you use to listen to the show. All of these things are super helpful and I appreciate every single one of you that has already done this or any of you that will do this in the future. But I'm just thankful that you have joined us for this episode and I hope that you enjoyed it. And be sure to join us next week as TJ returns once again as we conclude our discussion on the Shawshank Redemption as we get into the third act of this film. And until then, I'll catch y'all later.